0: Welcome to Addicted to Murder. This is Courtney, licensed professional counselor with more than a decade of experience.
1: And this is Trisha, and unfortunately at least a couple times a week, I have to put some bled into my compost bin. Some bled. Overripe rotting fruit. Oh. Because I try to eat a lot of like complex carbohydrates, which are like fruits and vegetables, but mm-hmm. sometimes I don't get to them and then they're not good anymore.
0: I have that problem too. I feel very good. yeah, ambitious about mm. how much healthy food I'm going to eat.
1: Right. And then. I don't. Hmm. So, but I do have a compost pile, so I, I feel better about it. I haven't turned that compost pile into actual usable compost yet because it's kind of new. Okay. And per my aunt, I'm supposed to like water it and put sun on it and do all the things. And I, I've been neglectful on that. That sounds so, like a lot
0: of effort. Yeah, good. so I mean, good for you for at least having a pile.
1: I mean, I've got some good uh, vegetables growing right now. I ate a couple tomatoes yesterday from my garden and some hot peppers, Ooh. some pretty hot spicy chilies, and um, my I've got three eggplants and they are so cute. Oh. And then a couple like gourds and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's been kind of fun, and I've got herbs and I've been using the basil. So, and lots of blackberries.
0: Yes, I might there.
1: pick some blackberries before you I should. leave today. You should you should use those all up because I mean there's there's tons. We have tons of blackberries yeah. in my backyard. So, they are my favorite fruit. Are they? Mhm. The seeds kill me. I can't do them. Oh, like mm, they I just love them. I don't I've got like deep crevices in my teeth or something. And I mm. have my wisdom teeth, which mm. most I do not. people don't have. So when crap gets in those it's like it sucks good now I have them because they don't bother me and there's enough room in there for them
0: oh uh, mine were growing in sideways so they had to take them out
1: some people have like multiple sets of wisdom mm. teeth it's weird it is or maybe it's not weird it's just different but anyways we're back with part two of John Wayne Gacy yes we are the killer clown yes mm-hmm. but Courtney has a question before we recap
0: I do So my question this week is, Trisha, is there, has there ever been a time where someone pointed out to you that you have a habit that you didn't realize that you were doing until they pointed it out?
1: Yeah. Grinding my teeth. I mean, or working my jaw, I should say, because I don't grind my teeth that night. Like I don't make the noise, but I'll have, I've had lots of people point out like, what are you doing with your jaw? Just like when we're talking and I don't realize that I'm clenching it. Oh, interesting. I don't know if that's a habit. I think or so. If it's just like a response to stress or anxiety. But that I have had pointed out multiple times.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. What about you? For me, I learned a few years ago that I am never fully out of therapy mode apparently. And in just regular everyday conversations, I'm frequently making like mm-hmm sounds mm-hmm. and like nodding my head. Um, Which I would do in therapy to sort of...
1: Make them think you're listening all the time?
0: Well, make them realize that I'm listening all the time. (laughs) Not like trick them into thinking that I am. But it's sort of like an affirming sound.
1: You do do that. But it's... I don't know. I mean, maybe it is your therapy mode. But it also could just be like that you're a a listener. Possibly. And you're not necessarily trying to therapize if that's a word someone you're just cognizant of making sure that they know that you're, you're listening I don't know
0: well yes yeah I'm not therapizing as you is say is that a word I, I don't know but yeah. I use it all the time okay um all right good enough yeah but I suppose that is just yeah like a vocal habit that I mm-hmm. have that
1: not everybody does yeah I could see that. I mean, where did we learn things like, like, and that's, we weren't, you know, we didn't learn that in grade school when we were learning how to talk and, (laughs) you know, that, that came as a habit later on because of our culture and what we're, and, you know, if your job is doing that eight hours a day, then it makes sense that it would bleed into your other life.
0: Exactly. I don't think of it as a bad thing. It's just a thing that I didn't notice I was doing as often until someone
1: else pointed it out. What I notice that I do, and you probably do this too, but that since we've started doing this podcast is every time some, well, when people tell me some story and I can link it to a serial killer's childhood, I'm like, oh, that reminds me of Willie Pickton or, oh, (laughs) that was like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I go there and I tell them some horrible thing and they're like, good God, what's wrong with you? Can you sleep? And I'm like, yeah, but, um. For instance, there was a kiddo the other day uh, at work that was talking about all of the farm animals that they loved. Uh-huh. And I automatically went to Willie Picton and his cow. Right? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and like, I don't know. Well, I wouldn't have done that, you know,
0: three years ago. Yeah. Well, the, the more things that you have knowledge of and think about regularly are the things that your brain starts building connections to.
1: Yeah. So, good or bad. Yes. Speaking of bad, why don't you go over a little bit of a recap of this bad, bad, bad man? Yes. So last week, we learned all
0: about little John Gacy Jr. and his possibly narcissistic, definitely alcoholic, and verbally and physically abusive father. Um, Throughout his childhood, we learned about his early experiences with sexual abuse his penchant for illness and spending a lot of time in the hospital with maladies that were maybe real and maybe imagined. Um, and then we learned about him not doing great with the ladies and socially, but being a very hard worker mm-hmm. and really kind of excelling in moving up the ranks at his job and in the community.
1: And we're calling him John Jr. He's not really a junior because it's John Wayne Gacy and John Stanley Gacy. But just for this. It's easier. We're talking to, yeah, so just FYI, we realize he's not a junior. But Well, John recollects that his first sexual experience with another male was when he was 22 years old in 1964. He claims that it was prior to getting married and it was an older man. John claims that this friend told him that they didn't really care who he messed around with, male or female, the person that John was with. John says he drank too much, and when he passed out, his friend undressed him and performed oral sex on him. John claimed that when he woke up, he did not stop him. He liked it. After the alcohol haze went away, he felt very depressed. In fact, it was one of the lowest periods of his life. John felt like the guy took advantage of him, outsmarted him, and made him a victim. Courtney?
0: I think there are actually a few complex things happening here for John. You know, last week we talked about the sexual abuse that John reported experiencing at the hands of an older man, his um, father's friend. And so this encounter, now at age 22, could have very well triggered traumatic memories and emotions. You know, sexual behavior can be really emotionally complicated for abuse victims when they grow up and the physical pleasure reactions happen and, you know, age-appropriate desire kicks in they can kind of battle against any residual feelings of fear or disgust or shame that they had during the time that they were abused. And then, add on to this, the taboo of being gay or engaging in gay sex during the 1960s. Um, And it is just a recipe for confusion. I mean, the United States didn't even start officially legalizing homosexual behavior until 1961.
1: I'm going to diverge a little bit because this, what you just said made me think of something that makes me very sad. And I've seen it at work now when I've seen forensic interviews and stuff like that, the shame that Mm -hmm. children feel when something happens to them, that's out of their control. And it makes me just feel so sad that they feel like for whatever reason that they have to feel shame for something like that. Mm -hmm. And, Remember in last episode, John did not tell his parents what happened to him because he didn't want to get in trouble. Right. Because most likely the grooming behavior of that person made him feel like he did something wrong and he would get in trouble and caused him shame. And I don't know, perhaps, I mean, we see this sort of reaction going forward with him when it comes to his sexuality.
0: Shame is... Like you
1: said, unfortunately,
0: extremely
1: common um, in abuse victims. Yeah, and it sucks, and it makes me mad. Same. All right, anyways, John's new wife, Marilyn, um, her father owned three Kentucky Fried Chickens in Waterloo, Iowa. Marilyn's dad didn't really care for John. But he did care about his daughter, so he allowed John to manage the three restaurants and gave them a home to live in as well as a good wage. Marilyn was pregnant at the time, and John was working long days, but still managed to join the local JCs. So remember, that was the what the heck? That was like the local organization for entrepreneurs, junior chamber of commerce. Yes, that's what it was. Sorry. He was really involved in the JCs, donating what little time he had to them. He would also bring them chicken and ask them to call him Colonel like Colonel Sanders. Gacy somehow also managed to put in some of his time on the merchant patrol, so a wannabe police force manned by citizens. His friends said he liked to play cop and he would wear a gun when he patrolled and had a flashing light that he could put on his car to mimic a cop light. There were rumors that during this time he offered up his wife to the president of the JCS. Perhaps there was a bit of swingers elements going on in this group of people. Um, in 1966, Marilyn had a baby girl and the following year had a baby boy. Things were going great for John. He had respect, finally, from his father. He was doing well with work and the JCs, and he had the perfect family. He was friends with the police. He was able to use that friendship to get out of certain situations, but then he started to do some messed up shit. In 1967, Gacy picked up a 15-year-old hitchhiker. It turned out to be Donald Voorhees, who was the son of one of his fellow JCs. John engaged him in conversation and tried to help him out with the issue he, he was having with his dad. They weren't getting, getting along. The conversation changed to girls, and John asked him if he was a virgin. You know, that typical conversation with the 15 year old that you have with an adult. Right, of course. <laughs> yeah. The conversation led them to talking about, quote, stag films. And I'd heard of them, but I just Googled it to be sure, um, which might not have been a good <laughs> idea with my history now, but a secretly produced pornographic film in the first half of the 20th century. So there you go. Basically a old school porn illegal. Uh Yeah. John invited the kid over to his house to watch the films with him. He said something like, quote, you're getting to an age where you can get a good education experience out of something like that. John knew that Marilyn was out for the night and he told Donald that he would set up his projector and watch a couple with him. John claims that after the films, he started asking the boy a bunch of inappropriate questions. He reassured the boy that it was perfectly normal, based on the Kinsey report, to basically have relations with other men. In fact, it may even be the way it should be done, having sex with a man before you have sex with a woman. Anyways, he convinced him to have oral sex with him. Per John, it happened a couple more times. But those times, Donald asked him for money as well. John would later claim that he was the victim. He was the one being blackmailed by the 15-year-old. Courtney, let's talk about grooming and what's going on here.
0: So, grooming is a term that's used to describe the things that sexual predators do to try and shape their relationship in order to make a potential victim more vulnerable or susceptible to abuse. So, predators start by trying to build a bond and a special kind of relationship by giving a potential victim extra individualized attention, giving them gifts. Um, and or presenting as a person that they can trust more than anyone else. Like, you can trust me with anything, like, more than your parents, even. And then once they have that trust, then they begin to incorporate, quote, innocent but not really innocent behaviors, um, like touching in a non-sexual way, hugs, maybe providing drugs or alcohol, um, or asking to keep more, like, benign secrets. And then from there... It escalates to talking about sexual topics and eventually sexual assault. And then all the while, the predator uses the guise of having this, quote, special relationship and needing to keep things secret because, you know, people just won't understand. Um, or they use threats um, of the victim getting in trouble um, or something bad happening them to them or their loved ones if they were to tell anyone what happened. And John, as we can see, is a natural at grooming behaviors.
1: Gacy also tricked several teenagers into believing he was commissioned to conduct homosexual experience experiments for scientific research, and he would pay them up to $50 each. That's per Wikipedia. Do you know much about the Kinsey experiment, ex, experiments?
0: Um, I do, to a certain degree. So the, the Kinseys, so they were a married couple, um, they did research on, you know, sex and sexuality, and part of what they found was that sexuality exists on a spectrum, right, from purely homosexual interested just in same-sex partners um, to fully heterosexual, um, but that most people kind of fall somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there were also some kind of landmark parts of that study about what people were actually doing with our sexual partners and you know how men and women experienced things like arousal and orgasm differently things like that
1: john would reference the kinsey experiments a lot when he was grooming his the boys Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: probably that spectrum piece most likely
1: yeah in 1968 donald uh, told his father about the whole situation or at least his version of the situation and his father went to the police. He was in, uh, John was indicted for sodomy committed with a teenage boy. Donald told the grand jury that Gacy had forced him into oral sex and that he attempted to have sex with him anally. Donald also said that Gacy also tried sexual acts with Edward Lynch, who was a 16-year-old boy that worked at one of the Kentucky Fried Chickens. That event happened when his wife was in the hospital about to give birth to their second child, so John's wife. He pulled the same thing as Donald, offered to show him stag films, offered some alcohol, told him about the scientific studies of sex he was involved in, Remember, Gacy is his boss. Gacy got aggressive with him, came at him with a knife, cut him in the arm. Luckily, Edward was six foot tall and in good shape, and he was able to fight him off. Gacy claimed that he didn't mean what he had done. It was all in good fun. He tried to convince him that he overreacted, and he brought it on himself. Gacy then got the boy to try something. He convinced him to let him try a trick involving chaining him up. And it was too late when he realized he made a mistake. Later on, when he spoke of the incident, he said he was gullible. He believed him when he said they were just messing around. He was his boss, an authority figure in his life. Gacy knocked him down and started to strangle him. When he regained his consciousness sometime later, um, Gacy did undo his bindings and took him home. And days later, Gacy then fired him from Kentucky Fried Chicken. Courtney?
0: So here we see another way that sexual predators work, which is abusing the power that they have over another person. In this case, John was much older than Edward. And he was responsible for his livelihood. You know, both factors contributed to John being in a position of power over Edward. And when there is a power differential, it can be much harder for a victim to say no or to report crimes out of fear of retaliation, like being fired.
1: Well, John denied all of the allegations against him, of course. So remember, he's the victim in all of this. He asked to do a lie detector test. Well, that didn't really help him out as the results came out as, quote, indicative of deception. Basically, the lie detector test showed him only telling the truth when he told them his name. Yikes. Um, John was out on bond or whatever it was uh, after he was indicted. He was going to have to go to trial, but in the meantime, he concocted a plan to help his case. Gacy enlisted the help of Russell Schroeder, who was an 18-year-old who had worked for a couple of years at one of the restaurants that Gacy managed. He invited him over to hang out one night after work. They went on, quote, patrol. Schroeder was helping Gacy at each of the places he was checking out to make sure everything was secure. Doing his citizen patrol due diligence crap. When they got to Brown's Lumber Company, however, Gacy retrieved an iron rod from his car. He used that to bust open the window into the lumber shop. He gave the rod to Russell and told him to use it on the Coke machine. Russell opened the machine and took the $3 that were in there. This was the first time that Russell had stolen anything. His boss was telling him to do this, so he did what he was told. Gacy also took a few items. Then the two of them drove around for about six hours. They checked on some businesses, but then broke into another one. It was an Old, Oldsmobile dealership. This time, Gacy told Russell to get out and steal some of the hubcaps. hubcaps. Russell did what his boss told him to do. Apparently, Russell was pretty loud while he was doing this. You know, He was new to theft and all. Gacy had to tell him to keep it down. He was monitoring his police scanner the whole time to make sure no cops were in the area. Um, After this, Russell wanted to go home, but Gacy wasn't quite ready to drop him off yet. He told Russell that he wanted Donald Voorhees beaten up. His thoughts were this would keep him from testifying against him. Russell didn't know Donald. He had no beef with him and declined the offer. Gacy dropped him off at home, but picked him up the next night, and they went to a rock quarry. Gacy then said the same thing about Donald. Quote, I want him taken care of. I want his I want him persuaded not to testify. I want him beaten. Again, the offer was declined, but he felt all sorts of pressure. Gacy was his boss. He was high up in the JCs. He was a citizen cop and he also knew about the burglaries that he committed. He felt his word would not be taken over Gacy's. Gacy tried another tactic a few days later. He told Russell that if he beat up Donald, he would pay off the outstanding debt he owed on his car, which was about $300. Well, this convinced him to Gacy's plan. Gacy gave Russell some mace to aid him. Quote, the kid likes to drink. I know that. Just tell him you got some booze stashed somewhere. Take him there, then mace him and beat the shit out of him. Tell him not to testify. Russell did as was suggested. He found Donald at school one day and told him he had a bunch of liquor. The two went off, an excuse me, the two went off to an isolated spot. He sprayed Donald in the face with the mace, which, of course, blinded him. Donald stumbled to a creek. He got sprayed again, and then Russell started to beat him, telling him not to testify. Donald eventually got away and ran off um, in a cornfield. Russell told Gacy what he had done, but he did not get his $300 and went home. The next day, Russell was picked up by the police. Donald was able to tell the cops who had beat him up. Russell denied that it was Gacy that put him up to the task, but the cops were not buying it. Eventually, after a few days, Russell couldn't take the pressure— so he went back to the police station and confessed to what had happened. John Gacy was arrested that night for attempting to suborn perjury and malicious threats to extort. He got out on bond, but was arrested days later for burglarizing the lumber yard. This time, his bail was set at $10,000, and he could not raise that kind of cash. During his time in jail, he sang like a bird not about what he had done, but about all the stuff he knew others were doing things like prostitution, gambling, wife swapping, drug use, and he was not afraid to name anyone who was involved. And some of these people were prominent in the area who also were like on Gacy's side at that time, like believed that he was, you know, innocent. Days later on November 2nd, Gacy entered into the psychiatric hospital at the state of Iowa for some testing. Stories were coming out regarding Gacy and other young men he worked with. Each of them more disturbing than the last, I'm not going to list them all here, but please read the book to find out more if you're interested. Let's just say that John was very busy manipulating, grooming and threatening many boys during this time, with the end game seeming to be that they do sexual favors for him. A legal thing, since they were almost all under 18, and he was a good 10 years older than they were. He used his position of power and his place in the community to persuade these boys to do things they did not necessarily want to do. Courtney, do you have anything to add?
0: So just kind of a little note that stuck out to me is, you know, one of John's many, many thinking errors was the art of the smokescreen. So he could very easily twist a conversation away from himself and his actions to focus on what everybody else was doing wrong. You know, don't pay attention to me and my rape charges because these other people also did bad things and their bad things are so much worse than my bad things. You know, it's a, a classic technique used by magicians and
1: narcissists. And, you know, sometimes law enforcement does offer a deal. Like, if you give us up, this, will you know, but that wasn't the case here.
0: Yeah. And it's usually like, we want the bigger fish. Right. Not, we want your
1: neighbor who wife swaps. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, thanks for pointing that out. That's what that means. Well, John did not let the psychiatric hospital cramp his style. Upon entry, he demanded that the custodians do a better job of keeping the floors clean and things tidy. Well, he was a taxpaying citizen who agreed to come to the hospital on his own recognizance. Therefore, he should be treated top-notch. John was popular with the nurses, well so he thought, and you know, if someone was mean to them, he would tell whoever needed to know to get it handled. He claimed that they knew he was the victim in all of this and they helped him when he broke down in tears. When other patients were messy and the staff were not doing their best to care for people, John would do it himself. He felt that he was very efficient and sometime during his 17-day stay, he felt that he was actually running the whole facility. What do you think about that? Um, Narcissism, red flags all over the place. Yeah. Physicians at the facility did a full workup of John's physical health. They reviewed his past medical records, which I'm sure there were many, 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 and claimed that they did not know what a, quote, bottle heart was, and did all kinds of tests. They could not find that John suffered from any type of heart disease at all. He was very healthy besides being overweight. Corney, if John did not have a heart problem, what do you think all this medical stuff was about when he was young? I know we went over this a little bit before, but now we have, like, confirmation that he's healthy. Do you think he was faking? Do you think he had Munchausen by proxy? I mean, if his mom was the one that told him he had a bottle heart, it's all in his head. Maybe he had something that when he was younger, but it cleared up when he grew up. Yeah, so
0: I am absolutely not an expert, and I am not a medical doctor. Um, But I did do a little bit of research on bottle heart and what that is. Um, And the information I found was a little bit different than what you mentioned last time, um, which is that bottle heart was referred to um, a condition when there's extra fluid in the sac around the heart, creating kind of the shape of like a beaker or a bottle. Um, And it's most often caused by an infection and is pretty easily treated. Um, It does require medical attention most of the time to treat, but it's not like a forever kind of thing. It's episodic.
1: Yeah. I think car- cardiomegaly is what I said is, is, is just enlarged heart. So okay. inflammation mm-hmm. would cause that. So yeah.
0: Right. Very yeah. generic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think it's possible that he did experience an episode of this maybe as an infant or as a young boy, um, and then just kind of clung on to it as a diagnosis or maybe exaggerated its severity as an excuse to, you know, get out of things or to get attention. Um, And this is what's actually referred to as malingering. So malingering is holding on to or exaggerating your symptoms to continue getting treatment or attention that's not actually needed. Um, And so, you know, I highly doubt there was any Munchausen's going on. Um, You know, that would require that there were steps being taken to actually bring about symptoms. um, And that does not seem to be happening here. Um, But I do still think that conversion disorder, which we talked about in the last episode, um, is a possibility.
1: Okay, well, psychological testing showed that he had an IQ of 118. So he had a, quote, high degree of social intelligence. He did the MMPI, which we see a lot in these mental hospitals. One of the psychiatrists noticed that he had, quote, total denial of responsibility for anything that has happened to him. He can produce an alibi for everything. He alternatively blames the environment while presenting himself as a victim of circumstances and blames other people while presenting himself as the victim of others who are out to get him. To his way of thinking, a major objective is to outwit the other fellow and take advantage of him before getting taken advantage of, end quote. The findings pointed to a sociopathic personality disturbance or antisocial reaction. Those nurses that John thought loved him actually thought he was a con man and a bully. Courtney, it's nice to see that the staff at this facility were not as easily manipulated as those poor poor kids were. Definitely. And part
0: of John's brand of narcissism was that he was not always good at recognizing how other people actually viewed him. He was so sure of his superiority and ability to charm and manipulate others that he couldn't even fathom that others might not see him the same way that he's trying to present himself.
1: Isn't that weird? I mean, I know we don't always know what other people are thinking, but you usually can get a feeling of someone (laughs) just, I don't know. Maybe it just ignores it. I
0: don't know. Narcissism is a weird thing. It twists your mind.
1: Yeah. He was found competent to stand trial with the doctors agreeing that he seemed to show no remorse for the acts that he admitted to doing. Three weeks after he left the facility, he was in the courtroom. He pled guilty to sodomy. His plea deal meant that all the other charges had been dropped. So like the burglary um, charges and stuff like that. When the judge asked for the report from the psychiatrist, this was what they provided. Quote, Gacy, Gacy was apparently bisexual and his behavior based on what they understood about his personality structure was more a matter of thrill-seeking, a kind of exploitative 4 into sodomy than an absolute fixation on abnormal sex objects. I don't know. That's just what it said. <laughs> <laughs> the probation officer involved in the reporting was requesting a light sentence, so just probation maybe. The judge was not buying this. He made his decision to give Gacy 10 years. He stated the reason as, quote, The particular pattern you have chosen is to seek out teenage boys and get them involved in sexual misbehavior. Courtney? So
0: here we see some more typical 1960s thinking. So at this time, you know, no man could actually just be attracted to other men and want to engage in gay sex because they liked it. Being gay was still considered a mental illness at this time, and in a lot of states was still illegal. Um, So now, want to be clear, John was clearly committing terrible crimes when he assaulted these teen boys, and that is no way the same as consensual activity between two, like, consenting adults. But coming up, we will definitely see how this stigma against homosexuality plays into John eventually becoming a
1: murderer. Indeed. Uh, Have you seen the old DSMs where it's in there, like, as a mental illness, homosexuality? I've seen, like, online versions of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there anything you want to say about that? Like, does it say, like... what caused it or you know what I mean like I'm just curious how they used to view it if it was technically illegal in many states back then and thought of as a mental illness how it was presented in the DSM
0: um you know I have to admit it's been a while since I looked up like the specifics involved um what kind
1: of disorder do they have it as obviously you know I mean like cluster B cluster C cluster A something Mm -hmm. else whatever do you remember
0: um, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, this was sort of back when there was like, um, like neurotic disorders and biological disorders, and like one other type. Hysterical. I don't think so.
1: Okay. I'm just, I'm just guessing.
0: But I feel like it would probably fall under like a, like a neurotic disorder of some kind. Like okay. There's just this fascination or mm-hmm. something with you know, these homosexual thoughts, but it's not real.
1: Hmm. Okay. Interesting how we've evolved in psychiatry and mental health over the past, what Mm -hmm. was it? Good gosh, the 60s was 60-some years ago. Right, (laughs) yeah. So what?
0: Yeah, like if we look at why the judge in this case gave Gacy 10 years, Mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily because, I mean, it was because he... Sexually assaulted them, but it was even, I think, more so or at least partly because he was like corrupting them into like like.
1: sexual behavior. The particular pattern you have chosen is to seek out teenage boys and get them involved in sexual misbehavior, right? As opposed to you raped these teenage boys' children, right? Yeah, which Mm -hmm. is what it was, exactly. So, anyways, he was sentenced to 10 years, but as we know, they don't always serve that time. Well, we'll find out more about that next week. Yes, we will. All right, everyone stay safe and we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.